When you think about when we first see Yoda on Dagobah, like he's cuckoo bananas. to another episode of Movie Rampage. This is episode number six, and we are recording this on uh, January 31st, 2018. This is our first episode of the new year, and uh, it also happens to be uh, Eric's birthday, so if you uh, listen to this, and of course it'll be, you know, belated, but be sure to wish Eric a happy birthday. Yay! Happy birthday, Eric! <laughs> uh, of course, this is Tim, and the voice you heard is my lovely co-host, Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Tim. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited to finally be talking about The Last Jedi. Oh my gosh, we're finally talking about The Last Jedi, <laughs> like a month later. <laughs> uh, yes, I, many thanks to, to uh, listeners for their patience with this. It was probably ill-advised for us to expect to get this in before the holidays. We were we got a little cocky in our timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, with the holiday craziness and... Um, uh, I was getting some work done before the holidays. You were trying to get stuff done before the holidays. I had a surgery. Then we had the holidays. And like two days after Christmas, you went to Paris for a week. I did. Um, my wife and I got the flu. Oh. And it just, like, it, everything just kind of kept on going. And then once we all got back and better, we was just kind of having a hard time coordinating our schedules. Yes, but here we are. We finally made it. We are. Maybe we are. partly... Is that we really needed time to disseminate our th- our feelings and our thoughts about <laughs> this movie. Maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> well, you know, and that's what I'm hoping. Because I think at this point, there's probably going to be some listeners who are going to say, look, we're seven weeks since The Last Jedi came out in theaters. I've heard countless reviews, including hopefully Random Chatter's review. We did a, uh, a hostful um, about a week and a half ago, um, on uh, we did it as a as an echo base feature, and um, uh, you know we had people, all of our hosts from across the network, talking about it. It was a lot of chatting. <laughs> it was, it was, and it was lovely. Of course, the thing with that was we had I don't know seven or eight people on there, and so people didn't really get to dive into a lot of thoughts simply because of the timeliness of it all. It was a sprinkling um, of thoughts rather than a delving into. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of a rapid-fire thing. It's like mm-hmm. I had five questions, and I wanted to make sure everyone got a chance at answering those questions. Um, and it was, yeah, it was it, it was a sprinkling, and, and it was one right after the other. So we've, you know, Liz and I have had some time to, we had, we had some participation in that. We've had some time to think about our own thoughts. We've had some time to consider other people's thoughts. Um, there is that little social media thing, which I think has had a lot of influence on... The last people's perspectives on The Last Jedi. I mean, people are so restrained. It's hard to get a, a, like a feeling <laughs> from like from yeah. from them of what they think and feel about it. Like they're just so quiet and kind and like they use nice words at each other. It's like weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's been really nice. People have been so nice uh, to Ryan Johnson and, and oh. congratulating him on a Oh my gosh. film that he wrote and directed and yeah so nice that they cut all some douche nozzle cut out all the women in the film and made a 45 minute cut of just the dudes that's how nice they've been 
What the hell is that? I mean, exactly. As you can tell, we're being sarcastic. People ain't been nice. <laughs> for, for, first of all, the term douche nozzle is absolutely appropriate. Right? It's the perfect for the word. People who did that. And second of all, and, and I didn't see it. I mean, I, I refuse. I refuse. That this thing existed. But if it was anywhere, I would hope that like Lucasfilm gave an immediate cease and desist order on yeah. putting their content out. Yeah. Um, because not only was obviously the premise of that inappropriate, but, uh, you know, hell, the movie's still in theaters. It's um, disgusting. You, you just can't do that with other people's property. So, And regardless of how you feel about the diversity or the inclusion of more women, you cut Princess Leia out of Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Plus, mean... <laughs> how did they get the movie? Oh, well, you it know. It was clearly a pirated version of the movie, also yes. illegal. Yes, good point. Um, there's just so many things wrong with what these asshats did. Oh, I hear we're yeah. keeping Guantanamo open. Perhaps we can use it for some good. We could. We could. There's there's bed space. Douche bed nozzles space. get to go to Guantanamo. Yes. Yeah, there's a douche nozzle wing at, we, at Gitmo. And, we, we don't yeah. play around here on <laughs> <laughs> movie, movie Rampage. <laughs> So, yeah, so we're going to talk Last Jedi. Um, obviously, our usual spoiler warning applies. Um, I'm not going to go into it. If you want to hear it, you can go to past episodes. <laughs> Basically, we're blowing it up. So if you haven't seen yeah. the movie, run away. That's all you need to know. <laughs> we're going to talk about everything, um, the things we liked, the things we didn't like, all, all that good stuff. Um, so as usual, we kind of cover ratings real quick. And and so this movie, since it's been out for, for seven weeks, I think we're pretty solid where uh, in terms of where the ratings are, are going to sit mm-hmm. um, for the better or the worse of it. Because, of course, it's real interesting. Uh, we look at Rotten Tomatoes, 91% from the critics. That's a great, solid movie. The audience perspective on Rotten Tomatoes is a little different. A little. <laughs> tiny, tiny Just a divergence. Just difference. Um, 48% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, to qualify this, there have certainly been rumors about, like, bot accounts being created to spam the Rotten Tomatoes site and give low ratings. Because across the board, we can't have nice things. (laughs) Exactly, because we can't have nice things, and you get, like, these minority groups of extreme haters who want to push their agenda so much and they organize to to give themselves such a big voice and they can't play fairly so they do shit like that and i mean i i don't know that anyone knows that that's necessarily true um i'm sure rotten tomatoes can track you know some of the ones and zeros in terms of where these things are coming from and and the accounts that were created to to give these ratings um, but Rotten Tomatoes, as far as I know, hasn't said anything about it. They haven't issued anything. They're just kind of letting it lie. So my um, question is, like, what is your life about if this is what you're doing with it? Like, uh, there are far better things. Let, let's, you know what? Since we're on the topic, let's talk about change.org petitions. Oh, gosh. That came out as a result of this movie. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Folks. If you listen to any of you listen to other other shows, you listen to Random Chatter, you listen to Echo Base, you know my opinion on uh, these Change.org petitions. And I have to be a little more restrained because those shows are family friendly. Well, guess what? Do it, Tim. Do it. <laughs> 
Change.org, I think, is a great thing, and it's a wonderful platform for actually promoting social change for things that need to be changed, to be helping the homeless and to be fighting against illiteracy and to promote democracy and equal rights and all that. Do not use change.org for pop culture bullshit. (laughs) Do not. (laughs) It is so insanely inappropriate. And do you honestly think that Lucasfilm or Disney give two shits about your change.org petition? Nope. Demanding that Ryan Johnson be fired or J.J. Abrams be fired or Kathleen Kennedy be fired or this movie be decanonized. The movie made $611 million so far at the domestic box office. They don't care about your effing opinion. They are not hurt. You know what I mean? (laughs) They are not hurt. It doesn't matter. So I will tell you, if you created one of these, shame on you. Do not listen to our podcast anymore because we don't want you. Supported by me. (laughs) Um, If you signed one of these petitions, yes, you can continue listening to us, but you really need to rethink your life. Really? Like, really rethink your life. (laughs) But we have faith that our listeners are kind people who have good judgment and discernment. And hey... Guess what? If you don't like this movie, that's cool. You're going to find out how Tim and I feel about this movie. And it may be different than what you think. Absolutely. And there's place for that. But like... Sure. (laughs) Sure. It is totally okay to to not like something. And, and, you know, hey, let's not review Justice League. We did not give it the highest marks out there. Although, um, if you ask plenty of people, they don't think that it was okay not to like that movie. But whatever. <laughs> That's my battle to bear. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing was that in, in actually having some good, meaningful dialogue with some people, they they thought that even though they may have disagreed with our take on Justice League that we were still fair in our assessment of it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I appreciate. We can have disagreement, but at least be fair about things. I'm not a big um, fan of Zack Snyder, but I'm not about to sign an, a, a petition or create a petition to get him, you know, fired from life. Like, that's extreme. Exactly. I hope he is prospering and doing well and has a job. Like, come on now. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. And the the other big difference here that we saw, so the Rotten Tomatoes, again, the audience score 48%. IMDb, which is an audience-driven score, um, gave it a 7.5 out of 10, so a 75%. Mm. Um, That's a big difference for audiences. And I think a lot of, if there was some kind of unscrupulous activity going on, I think it was pretty clearly focused on Rotten Tomatoes um, because a lot of people look at that. So. All that to say that this is exhausting. Sometimes being a fan of something is exhausting. <laughs> it, it is. And, and you know, I, I think with this film, we really got to see kind of the dark underbelly of the Star Wars fandom. Oh, it exists. There were there was a lot of stuff on social media that disappointed me. There's a lot of stuff that pissed me off. There's a lot of things that there were a lot of I, there were some accounts I unfollowed. There were a handful that I blocked. Um, I did pontificate at a few, um, but it was really more out of my own frustration. You know, I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to make meaningful change with people. But, you know, when when someone's out there, you know, tweeting and and actually, you know, adding Ryan Johnson and saying, you're a horrible person, I hope you die. It's like, dude, it's a movie. 
Right. And that is an actual real person. Don't do that. There are, like, there's a, yes, there's laws, but there's also a code of freaking ethics in this world. Don't do that. Right. And also, like, I think what, I think there, we have to talk about in respect to that, how Star Wars particularly, because I don't think any other fandom is quite as harsh or quite as passionate. I mean, I think there are a lot of fandoms out there that are both of those things, but I think Star Wars is like this other level. And I think yeah. partly it is this devotion to nostalgia, to what it meant for us as kids, for how we grew up with it, whether you're a prequel kid or whether you're an OG trilogy kid. There's something about mm-hmm. it that really touches our lives. And that's an yeah. amazing thing for it to affect us to that level. We have to remember that it is fantasy and that it is not real. Um, And that it's story and it's art and it's creation. And I think that – I mean, look at the hate that George Lucas got after the prequels or the fact that Jake Lloyd can't come out of hiding. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, Ahmed Best's career was wasted after the prequels. Like, these are the kind of – things that are sort of the scarier part of fandom where yet mm-hmm. it's the it's the underbelly of loving something that there's a fine line between love and hate they always say that well here's the line which yeah. is it's interesting to see because I, I mean as you'll find out followers I, I did not love this movie and it's actually the first time just to dive in a little it's the first time when I because if even the prequels, any other movie, I was like, whatever, it's Star Wars and I love it, hands down. And going in, I know I'm going to love it. Walking out, I'm like, maybe there's some things I didn't like, but overall I loved it. Yeah. And I couldn't say that about this movie. And it was the first time where I was like, mm. I didn't love a Star Wars. I feel ro- like it feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. but, but I also was uh, – there are things that I can say that – we're great about it, and I can have perspective, and that's just like I, w- I want that for everybody. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. that's a p- pie in the sky sort of dream of the world, but like, <laughs> I, it's just interesting of how close the line is between love and hate, and how passion yeah. can really step over the line into into anger and trolling, and like that's sort of the dark part of social media too. But I had so many good conversations, and that's the part mm-hmm. that is awesome about social media and about how we have such a connection with people that we may never meet in life. You know, uh, hello, you and I, you know, mm-hmm. we would never have met if it wasn't for social media. And so that's yeah. a really cool thing, and I feel like we need to remember, I don't know, that it's a beautiful world. <laughs> Guys, it's a beautiful world. It's such an interesting irony because, like you said, there's like this fine line between love and hate. And we've had people who have basically taken their love for something for this franchise. And because they didn't like it, they stepped over that line. And the irony is that Look at what Star Wars is about. Look, look exactly. at the, the stories within it. Look at the fall of Anakin. Look at this this constant philosophical discussion of the light side versus the dark side and right. how close the two really are. And in a lot of ways, The Last Jedi actually emphasized how close those two things are. And yes. the fandom really kind of like dotted that eye and crossed that T. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's funny. It does seem like they forgot what what it is that we're watching and what yeah. it's all about. I mean, it's the greater struggle of good versus evil. Yeah. Not only outside of us, but within us, directly relating to the Force and how 
you know, that sort of force exists for us in this world, too. It's manifests itself differently in religion or faith or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how we treat each other or whatever, whatever sort of analogy you want to use for the force. It exists yep. in this real life. And so seeing that sort of wave of darkness is like, oh, yeah. hello, Empire. Like, which side do you want to <laughs> be on? <laughs> and, and it's fine to not like something and it's fine to be vocal about not liking it, but... You know, Hello. Don't cross we are. Line. Yeah, don't cross that line into this vitriolic hatred, which is just nasty and ugly, and has has done a lot of bad things. But so, I mean, you you mentioned your your initial impression of the film. Um, mine was actually pretty similar. Uh, the the first time I saw the movie, and it had some really good things. I laughed. I I was wowed. I you know there were just really awesome things and moments in the movie, um, but there were a lot of things that. Um, I, I think it's interesting that, like, when we watch the trailers, a lot of the things that we commented on and, and discussed when we watched the trailers for it was this suspicion that there's a lot of misdirection. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, the film itself seemed to have, at least to me, a lot of misdirection, mm-hmm. um, which it's so weird. And I'm going to be a little like talking out of both sides of my mouth with this. I don't want a movie to be predictable. That's boring. Right. I want a movie that always leaves me guessing what's going to happen. But it was so weird with The Last Jedi that we would go down a path and I'm thinking, okay, A is going to happen. And then all of a sudden it yanks you hard to the right. And oh, no, it looks like B. But then, oh, hard to the left. And oh, no, C is really where it ends up. And like that was just such a weird ride. Which was a little distracting to me, not to say that that's what made me dislike it, but I think in my first watching, that was very distracting. And there were also a couple of weird things we'll talk about. We, we have to talk about Leia. Um, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some point. But yeah. that was very distracting to me. And, and there were a couple of other points in the film where I was like, mm, I, I don't like that. I don't think that was a good choice. Right. So when I walked out of the movie, I walked out feeling, I think, very similar to you. That, okay, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I liked it, but I was really unsure about a lot of things. And there were so many people who said, go see it a second time and you will feel better about it. And um, I completely agree with the statement, you shouldn't have to see a movie a second time to enjoy it. That said, repeated exposure to anything sometimes gets you a better understanding. And I think it's a similar principle to a lot of people who will say, well, hey, there's a new TV series on. I watched the first episode. I'm not too sure about it. I usually have a principle of watching the first three episodes and seeing how I feel. And then that's my green light, red light situation there with the with the show. Well, that's pretty much the same thing as going to see a movie a second time and deciding if you like it or not. Yeah. Granted, it's the same thing that you're seeing, but in a movie, you know, you're looking at two hours, in this case, two and a half hours of a lot of stimulation and a lot of stuff being thrown at you. And you kind of need that time and that additional viewing, I think. You don't need it, but it can help to process that stuff. Well, as we were talking about in the roundtable, the RCN roundtable, Lou was mentioning how the it the shock of seeing something is worn off and you're yeah. able to process it on a different level and i think I, I agree with you you shouldn't have to see a movie a second time 
like you should be able to see it a first time. And if you don't like it, you do like it, whatever. But with Star Wars, because of the level that we love it so much and we and we know that the story is bigger than one movie, it always has been. Mm-hmm. Take any piece of a Star Wars universe and it's bigger than one movie. So you have to ask yourself, what does the Star Wars universe mean to me? And if it means something more than just one movie's experience, it's worth seeing again, I yeah. think. I mean, I, I walked out the s- similar as you. I actually... I walked out and I said, I can't say that I loved it, but I think it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's engaging. I think it was shocking. I think it was strong. I think it was, you know, like there was these s- subtle moments that were beautiful. There was pain and heartfelt, but there was like great action scenes and like all those all those things that you want out of a great movie. But yeah. it, but for me, it didn't feel like Star Wars. And, mm-hmm. and that was like the shock for me because I've never felt that walking out of a Star Wars movie. I was like, this just didn't feel like I had a handle on it. And I've always felt like Star Wars is this one thing for me. It's the constant struggle of good and evil. It's the prequels are, are all up in that business. Yeah. I, regardless of the choices that I thought, hey, why we could have gone a different direction or the the love scenes are, you know, sort of too static. That doesn't matter because when I walk out of it, I feel the struggle of good and evil and Anakin's struggle means something and all mm-hmm. of those things add up to what is in the original trilogy that leads me to love it on a level that I just don't love anything else. There's just a level that I love Star Wars that I just don't love anything else on that level. And this movie, I was just like, ah. <laughs> it was, it's the boat, it's like, I can I can look at it and say like there are great things and then I but at the end of the day I know that movies and fandom for me are about feeling. Sure. They're about emotion and and I was so confused and so like <laughs> Oh my like what is the, this is this is the best way to describe it cuz my dad really liked it and he was saying I feel like it opens the force up for everyone. He said that what this and we'll get into that what this movie does mm-hmm. and as we know from the last Target commercial at the end of the movie with the little boy and the whole thing, which is absolutely <laughs> a Target commercial by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it is like and that scene I hated by the way. I was like, what is this? Why are you ending the movie with this? This is upsetting. <laughs> this cannot be the last thing we see. Um, right. Just to jump all the way ahead to the end. Um, he said, I like how it opens the force up for everyone. And I said, I think that's what I don't like about it. It it erases the process. It erases the Jedi Council. It erases the need for, for learning on a deeper level and for apprenticeship and for the struggle against the Sith. It erases all of that. And that is what I love. And it, so I feel like that is, to me, the way that it rolled back what Star Wars means. Sure. And what Star Wars has always been. If you can buy into that, into the new vision of what Star Wars is, it's more diverse. It's open for everybody. That's a beautiful, beautiful vision. Mm-hmm. And I want the diversity and I want the openness. But I think the the thing of the Force itself just being sort of like like thrown up into the world and like just landing on whoever and then all of a sudden we all have the Force. I was just like, eh. That drives me crazy because it's against <laughs> everything we know. And it was the first time. I will say this because my cousin Wesley and I have had long conversations about this. It's the first time where I was really sad about the Legends canon not being what we're getting Mm. on screen. Sure. Because 
knowing like the story of Han and Leia, the kids, Ben, Mara Jade, like yeah. uh, Darth Cadis eventually, like all of that, mm-hmm. I was like, dang, I love where they go with that. And seeing the thread of where this leads us to, I was like, I'm sad. I'm sad about it. Yeah. It's the first time I felt that way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I was a big, uh, big reader of, of that expanded universe too. And I think there were a lot of really good stories. They, they would have had to kind of recanonize through the oh. films though, because there was a lot of sidetracking and there was some inconsistency and that kind of stuff. But a lot of like the general story, I think, could have been great, but they had a different vision. And, you know, this yeah. is this is where they decided to go with it. And I will say, I totally understand disbanding the canon. And when yeah. they did it, I was like, they have no other choice. Right. There's no choice but to do that. Yeah. You have to start from scratch. You have to create your own story. It was too, it's too voluminous and it's too convoluted to actually create on screen. So I 100% think it was the right choice for Disney. But again, there was a sadness about knowing the epic level of the story that was told in the Legends canon. And this not, this is, this is to me, like maybe Snoke's alive, maybe he's not, whatever. But like Kylo's the big bad in the universe right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And not only is Kylo the big bad in the universe, there's like eight resistance fighter and Rey is the big good. What are you talking about? Like that can't be what this is. It's a real interesting and again the 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 movie reflects reality to an extent where repeatedly uh and, and mostly coming from Kylo Ren who's saying let go of the past you know let go I of, know of what is. you know and yeah that is. just makes for this i mean there there is a shift in in what star mm-hmm. wars was to what it is now and what potentially it will be um and it's a you know it's it's an evolution, and I think some people are kind of you know they're 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 getting off at the station. They're like, hey, I'm I'm out. This is you know these other episodes of of the the franchise are what I like. I don't like this one, um, and that's fine. You you if you don't like where this direction is going, I mean I get it. There's kind of a sense of loss because you have this anticipation that there would be more of the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy or whatever it is that you liked about Star Wars. But there's a lot of people who are in agreement with where this is going and they get off the train and, and that's it. But the stuff that they loved is still there. You know, this, this, this think, doesn't change it. I think something that makes this more difficult for fans, I'm not defending like being a jackass about what there's a I think there's a difference. I'm disappointed, I feel like maybe. I'm not angry by any means. I'm not like, damn it, why didn't you make the exact <laughs> movie from my brain? Right. Why didn't you get in my brain and make what I want to see? Like whatever. You that's unrealistic goal. Like, come on. But I think it makes it harder for fans because Luke Leia and Han are in these movies. Whereas with the prequels, you don't it's tied to it's tied to what we know. It, it, it expands on what we know, and yet right. it's 100 percent lives in its own little bubble away from that in it connected but separate. Yeah. Different but the same, you know? And this is like all tied up in because of Luke being on screen and Leia having a part and Han mm-hmm. and his death and the whole thing and the kids and whatever. And I think that I think that, that makes it harder for people 
because it it's more closely related to the original trilogy somehow mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. And and that is untouchable for a lot of people sure. in in the like little precious little bubble of of Star Wars <laughs> that like sits on the shelf yeah. and never gets touched and this is like rebooting a TV show territory. It's like we recast and we are going in our own direction yeah. and it's like great if you like the old thing, but this is the new thing. And that's real tough for people. And yep. I mean, it's, I think it's tough for you and I too, but we're discerning enough to say like, okay, well, there are still good things. Yeah. Um, well, which go us. You know, with, with the prequels, <laughs> you, you knew the destination. You didn't necessarily know the journey, but you knew the destination. Here, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You don't know the journey. You don't know the destination. They're basically tearing apart what you, a lot of the things that you know and love. Um, you know, and killing off our favorites as you go along. Yeah, so you know, Han is gone, Luke is gone, Leia has to go. That, that's, I, I mean, there's no other option. In some way, shape, or form, she's got to go. Sadly, you know, there still are some people holding out that oh, maybe they'll recast. No, um, no they're I, not I really going don't to. Think that's going to happen. I, I, Leia's gone. So our three heroes from the original trilogy. That's that's it. It's over. Their 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 time is gone. Um, you know, we will probably see Luke come back as a Force ghost to either mentor Ray or to harass Kylo. Um, he he pretty much promised uh, that he yeah. was going to come back and 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 harass Kylo. But I, I mean, really, that's it. This is a this is an entirely new slate of heroes. So in a lot of movies or in a lot of our reviews, we talk about cast and crew and and. I think a lot of people are already familiar with the cast and crew. I mean, we've had, we have some, some, you new, may have heard of them. Yeah. We have some new <laughs> cast members who, who have come in and, you know, we'll probably mention them as, as we talk about some things in, in the story. But so I, mean, I guess Liz and I have kind of been talking big picture about this film, but let's, yeah. let's dive into some details. What were the things that you liked most? What did you like the least to talk to me about? more about the movie in in some detail. Okay. Okay. Well, I have been reading the I actually have fun fact friends. If you want to come talk Star Wars on a book club level, I have a Star Wars book club on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Um we are currently reading through the Disney canon. Mm-hmm. We started with the episode 1 novelization and have been working our way through. We are currently at Aftermath Life Debt, which is the second Chuck Wendig book after um, Return of the Jedi. So that's where we are in the timeline currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so reading through has been really helpful um, to sort of like build up momentum, to sort of allow for us. We have very, very good conversations over there. Like the cool. conversations are kind and they are respectful. <laughs> they are long winded and they are detailed, but they are like, yeah, I didn't like it or I'm disappointed. Here's why. But, I, but you know, and so if you're looking for a place for something like that, Goodreads, come on over there. We talk Star Wars and it's great. And we are reading Life Debt. We're about to go into the third Aftermath book, um, which is I forget, Empire's End, I yes. think, which is um, yep. the close of that trilogy. So we are starting that in February. Come on over. But with that being said, I've I've been delving into the history of it because again I've, I loved legends I love novelizations I love the story behind the story that that supports it so um one of my favorite things and I didn't realize it till we were podcasting after the movie because I had read it so long ago but was was Admiral Holdo played by Laura Dern mm-hmm. 
she is in the Leia novelization and has grown up with Leia. And I don't know why I didn't put those two things together, but like that made me so happy. You saw my face when you, you how happy was I? Oh, yeah. It, like, it actually made me go back after the movie and because I, I had read the, the Leia novel. It made me go back. I didn't reread it, but I kind of flipped through some parts that had Haldo involved in them just to kind of refresh my memory of, hey, this is where she came from. And yeah. it's just kind of, I mean, for as kind of stoic as Laura Dern played the character, you could also tell that there was some restraint there as this character of Haldo is now grown up. And from being, when she was younger, this very flighty, uh, just, you know, kind of go with the flow kind of person who, who had her own, her, her, her own current in life. Well, and the thread of her relationship with Leia, yes. too. Just ma- I just, like, loved that. Yeah. I love that they put that in there. And that made the end of the movie that much more meaningful. Or, or well, not the, like, the end of the second act to that much more meaningful. Yeah, although I am really sad that they brought her in just to get rid of her. Um, And I think, and this is what I said in, I think, our dissemination uh, right after the film on Random Chatter, but if they had known that Carrie Fisher was going to die, and obviously they they had no idea of what they would have to deal with, um, with her passing, with what that would mean to the movie, but if they had known on any level, then I feel like Carrie would have been the one to sacrifice herself. Um... You know, Leia would have sacrificed herself in the hyperspace mm-hmm. cut through of the ship, and Holdo would have continued on with the resistance, which is, I'm sort of sad that didn't happen, knowing what we know now and sort of the conundrum it puts us in with, with where does Carrie fit in. But anyways, I I loved her characterization. There's been a lot of chat on Twitter about like, oh, Poe versus Holdo, and why didn't Holdo tell Poe, and blah, 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 blah. And you can argue about leadership and politics all you want but if poe had not been telling laura or haldo anything no one would have questioned it and they questioned it because she's a female and that yeah is why that's the like she she the, i don't know owe him shit so no and it, when, when, in fact he caused lots of trouble and he had reason not to tell him yeah yeah absolutely it's it's the um and, and just something that kind of dovetails into this a little bit is uh the most recent uh, episode of Echo Base, which we'll post tomorrow. So it'll be out before uh, we post this episode of Movie Rampage. Uh, we had a guest on Echo Base, uh, Tom Harper. He is an Army uh, army captain. Uh, he's actually a, a, a JAG attorney. And so we got a lot of his insight on some military pro- matters of military protocol and Hey, you know, what would happen in real life had someone defied a direct order, which resulted in the death of, you know, a large number of your own compatriots and that kind of stuff. The death of the fleet. Yeah. (laughs) And Tom's responses were pretty much as we would expect for for Poe to get demoted by Leia is the only reason why he wasn't basically kicked out is that. There's no time for a court martial, um, and he's one of the last surviving people that the that the resistance right. has. That's the only. They reason. don't have a lot to work with. Yeah, that's the only reason <laughs> why he was still there. 
was for that, and Leia still had some respect for him as as a as a pilot and and for what his capabilities were. But I think in better times, whether she respects him or not, he would have been out for for an act like that. Yeah, you know, so the 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 slap and the demotion were really the best case scenario for him uh, that that he would yeah. have gotten it, and certainly Haldo did not owe him squat. Right. You know, there's a lot of people who will say, oh, well, for morale, blah, blah. No, 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 no. No, as a leader, you have to make those hard yeah. choices. And, and that includes the beloved Poe, you know, roguish hero. Yeah. And I think th- what I like about that whole thing is that he's sort of, he's sort of, um, our, sort of our Han Solo. I mean, he's not Finn as our Han Solo. He's more of our layup, but... You know, he's got that roguish thing, and which has always been put on a pedestal. And I sort of love that this tears that down in a way and says, like, no, the cause is greater than one person, as we know from plenty of movies. Yeah. And, you know, it's got it. But all that to say that Holdo really was one of my favorite parts. I love her sacrifice. I love that scene with the hyperspace jump through the other ship. Like That was just incredible. That was... So powerful, took my breath oh, yeah. away. And it was like, one of those things sitting there like, wow, why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> right, why did why no one we think seen of that this? Before? Um, and, yeah. And, and oh. there's a lot of reasons for that. But yeah, that that was... I felt that in my heart. Yeah. Like, I felt that. I mean, that's you know? an act of desperation of a, you know, formally the resistance, but essentially a rebellion that has collapsed. And when you think about it, you know, and you look at the events from the end of The Force Awakens, um, the as far as we know, the New Republic doesn't exist anymore. Right. I mean, there were several planets, including their their capital planet, which were destroyed by Death Star number three. Um, And, you know, the, the resistance is it in terms of the military and. All we had of the resistance was those remnants of a fleet that were being harassed and chased by uh, the First Order through the entire movie. And, you know, what's essentially the slowest space chase ever. Um, But but that had a point. That had a point to it. So. Yeah. So she was one of my favorites. Characterization wise, Mm -hmm. her story, like all of all of that. I really loved her. Um I know a lot of people had problems with the Canto Bite stuff. I really loved sort of like the side mission and Rose and um, and Finn's like uh, their characterization together and sort of their little side adventure. I was disappointed about no Lando Calrissian because if he's anywhere in the verse, it's at Canto Bite, like <laughs> it gambling cool and drinking and yeah. doing his thing. Yeah, it it. It would have been a cool appearance, although I think that it would have also led a lot of people to say, well, wait a minute. When we left him at the end of Return of the Jedi, he was he was essentially part of the rebellion. And did he just abandon everything and go back to being a gambler? That's kind of shallow. I know. So, yeah, if you really if you really dive into the character, you would expect that he would be part of the resistance on the surface. Hey, yeah, you know, this is a it's a casino planet. We would kind of expect him to be there. Um the, I don't know. The whole Canto Bite thing for me, I was very ambivalent about. It's some cool little visuals and a neat little side story, which in the end amounted to absolutely nothing. 
they 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 it really did amount to nothing, <laughs> and nothing transpired from that. I read I read an article that said it was originally supposed to be Poe and Finn who went on the side mission, mm-hmm. and then when they added Rose as a character who I loved and and was very happy to see in, incorporated in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe, not only for more diversity as far as women and Asian character representation, but just who she was in the you know sort of like the hope she was the hope of the rebellion. Is she yeah. lost her sister and she still had that. That wide-eyed belief that the goodness would win and that what we're fighting for is love and that that is a worthy cause. Yeah. And so I love who she is in the Star Wars universe. She, so I guess I like Canto Bite because it allows for her development. Sure. She she became an anchor for Finn. And while maybe in this film that isn't so important, I also try to keep in mind that the Last Jedi isn't just a film. It's the middle part of a trilogy. There is a bigger story right. that's being told here. And I'm hopeful that the anchoring of, of Finn will mean something in the next movie. And, you know, the only thing that has me unsure about that is that we've heard repeatedly from a lot of folks like Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams and, and other folks saying, yeah, there really isn't like a trilogy script. It, it it doesn't yeah, exist, I don't like you know. That at all, <laughs> JJ did the Force Awakens. Ryan came in and picked up where that left off and did his own story, and then said, "Peace out, JJ. You know the rest is yours. Good luck closing this out." Well, and and it was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow, but he right. stepped away from the project. Right. So it was even going to be a different director's vision on top of the other two directors' visions. But now we're going back yeah. to JJ. This and this is one of my going back to the overall star, the greater picture of Star Wars beef, is that like, say what you want about George, but the man was a visionary, oh, yeah. and he had this beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. Of of all three trilogies, of what he wanted, of how they fit in together, it was this. It was a concert, and a symphony, and a dance of of yeah. things. Yeah. Places were clusters. You know yep. what I mean? Cluster trucks. Mm-hmm. Places weren't completely glossy and worked out. But like overall, like I want to crawl in his brain <laughs> and live there because it's beautiful. It's like J.K. Rowling. And him and, you know, Steven Spielberg and these visionary people who have these other worlds living in their brains. And I feel like now it's like someone was like, let's let the fanboys write fan fiction about Star Wars. And that's what we're making. And so that, I think, is where the crux of the disappointment for me is that, like, it's not this epic, oh, it all ties in and it all makes sense and it's all beautiful and it's a symphony dance of magic that's happening. And it's like J.J. and Colin – and well, not Colin anymore, but J.J. and Ryan – um, and Gareth Edwards for Rogue One, which I loved, but again, still felt like a fanboy's love letter to Star Wars, is sort of like, I don't, this is harsh, maybe, but the dumbing down of Star Wars. Like, it's taking it yeah. down. Um, again, getting back to the things we liked, though. <laughs> <laughs> but do you do you feel that way, too? I don't know if every, I don't know if a lot of people feel that way, and that's the crux of the disappointment. I, I do, and... You know, for I, I mean, obviously, Lucas took a lot of criticism, particularly after the uh, after the prequels, and, and and no one is perfect, but Star Wars was his creation, and you're right, he had this bit broader vision for it. Um, and even though you know, to an extent, there may not have been a perfect screenplay, but there was at least an idea, and it's just a, it's a little well, it's more than a little disconcerting that there's no 
there's not a piece of paper somewhere that had for this trilogy, okay, here are the major plot points. You know, here's the story beats. Right. Here's our ultimate goal. When when we finish episode nine, this is where we want to end up. That that doesn't exist. It's just kind of a, yeah, let's all just kind of write our own thing and see where it ends up. That's cool for a party for, you know, everyone tells a story sitting around your living room. But for something like this. It's also this, cool it's, for the Jurassic Park trilogy. Yeah. Or for a Marvel movie. I, you well, know. And even, even for if Marvel. It, I, I mean, uh, Marvel has known everything. Oh, they know what's for up. For freaking 15 <laughs> right. years. They know every. Right. <laughs> you know, they haven't written the screenplays for the movies, but they know what movies are going to exist, even though that's changed some. But that, I mean, everything evolves. They know. Well, they also know where they're ending yeah, up. They know the major things that are going to happen, and they know what the destination is. Uh, we, you know, absent whatever JJ is now furiously writing, there was no vision of what the destination was going to be. This was a train that started here, and as the train's going, they're building the freaking tracks. And you're bringing yeah. in different people to build the tracks. So it's like, hey, we don't. It just. That drives me a little nuts um yeah yeah so i i do agree and it you know where it was very prevalent for me and this was a disappointment um for me walking out of the movie i was like really and there's a lot of like maybe it is maybe it isn't but ray's parentage like she ain't nobody you know what i mean like i feel like this is what happened may or may not be jj wrote Understand. That. I know. Again, it that's may what I, or may not be. That's true. what I said. Kylo could be lying to her. Fine, but here's what if what it feels like from the outside is that like JJ wrote a like a MacGuffin or like whatever a, a mystery mm-hmm. box into his story. He writes a mystery box in there. All of the fans talk about it for two years. <laughs> We're talking about it for two years and let's not pretend that jj and ryan and kathleen kennedy and the whole team hasn't been aware of what we've been talking about they know where our heads are they know we think it's either scott is either a skywalker she's either a solo she's a palpatine she's a kenobi she's somebody that we know and so instead they were like we didn't we didn't have any idea of who she was here's what she is nobody but i will tell you i'm actually okay with that i I don't think I know. that she needs to be someone to be someone. You know what I mean? It's you you don't have to have sure. this lineage to be important. And and I think that that's also a great message that the film has to people that you know what? You can come from a small town with a from a family that isn't, you know, really noted or you could be adopted, you could be whatever. And you still have potential to be someone. And, and like that was, I think that that's a great message. And I was also kind of tired of the, it. it's a galaxy, but it's such a small galaxy because everyone knows everyone. And it's like. Well, it's a galaxy, but the story we're learning is the Skywalker story. Like that's our entry point into the galaxy. And I, <laughs> I agree. I know. Well, that's part of my disappointment. But I think I agree with you. 
on I like that being the thread of it. If it had matched with what we were given in The Force Awakens, which it doesn't. It doesn't match sure. with that. He gave us a mystery box of the visions in Maz Kanata and what is Laura Santeca doing there? He definitely knows something in the Knights of Ren and why is Rey having that vision? It's all connected except for no, it's not. She's nobody. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't match with what we know from The Force Awakens. And I think J.J., I believe, and we don't know this to be fact, but I believe J.J. had in his mind a Skywalker or Solo thread into the greater picture, and Ryan came along and was like, nope. <laughs> well, and, and that's, I mean, that's another reason for them to have had some kind of unified vision of where this was going to go. And, you know, the the right. parentage of Ray is kind of a major story factor that they should have had figured out. And, you know, it, it just, it would have been nice to, to see that happen. I think that there, you're right. There's a disparity between the vision of of what we have grown up with and the fact that it was so all-encompassing and, and overarching and and sort of like the little smattering of people coming in and, and adding their own flavor to Star Wars, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And honestly, it's what we all as Star Wars fans dream oh, to yeah. be able to do. Like, I would love to be able to tell a Star Wars story. I don't I don't know that, you know, we all should get the chance maybe. <laughs> and I do love I do love the symmetry of what it means for a Star Wars fanboy or girl to be able to come in and having watched it as a kid, JJ, Gareth Edwards, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson, Colin Trevorrow before he, you know, left. I'm sure he felt the same way and whatever the hiccups were between him creating his movie and and him not being on the project anymore, he still got to exhibit all of those feelings of being excited and wanting to do it. So I think that we can all sympathize and feel for and and be a little jealous of them getting to come in and having grown up with it the way we did and adding their story into the greater picture. That's part of what my dad's talking about, where the force is broken open and we all get a part of it. They they Um, basically get to do what we want to do. Right. Right. It's the dream. But – it does make it feel different than what has Star Wars has always been because it's this otherworldly, big, epic thing that the Empire has – the Sith have been around forever and the Jedi have been around forever and now all of a sudden nobody's yeah, left. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and there's people who, who will say, oh, well, Rey's the last Jedi. Well, she isn't. She's, she's not a Jedi. Luke was the last Jedi. And now we're kind right. of starting over with something. Rey is still having to come to or grips nothing. with – who and what she is. Um, and I mean, just as we're coming to grips with her parentage, she has to come to grips with that. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, Kylo Ren may or may not have been telling her the truth. He he may have told her something simply to manipulate her, to essentially tear her down and say, hey, you know what, you're nothing. So the only chance, the only shot you have in the world of becoming something is to get together with me and we'll, you know, we'll rule the galaxy. I will say that going back to things we liked, I freaking loved the Kylo Ray connection, mm-hmm. like their whole thing, like the fact that I don't I mean, I guess we're saying Snoke connected them originally, but then they were connected beyond Snoke. It was cool. It was um which some people are saying that that is evidence that he's still alive, but yeah. I don't think he is. Yeah. I hope he's not. Um but I loved their force mm-hmm. connection. I also loved the battle when they finally oh. joined forces against Snoke. That part was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is what Star Wars is. Yeah. Like, this is the moment. Yeah. This is like, it's coming together. 
Oh, that part was That was epic. incredible. That was definitely um, the best battle of the oh. movie with with those two oh. against the Praetorian Guard. And, um, and another discussion that's been out there or an assumption uh, has been that the Praetorian Guard were actually the Knights of Ren who were mentioned and kind of Ooh, I haven't seen that. seen in The Force Awakens, but then we haven't heard anything about them since. But then it was, that's been debunked. Um, somebody, I think maybe even Ryan Johnson, said, no, 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 they're not the Knights of Ren, they're just other people. You, you, you haven't seen them. Well, that's, and that's another mystery box. That's another J.J. Abrams mystery box because it's. I want there to be a Knights mm-hmm. of Ren. I want there to be a greater force behind Kylo just being Kylo out there in his own emo self running the galaxy. Because <laughs> if it's just him and Hux, are you yeah. kidding me? No. <laughs> it can't be that. It can't be. And so the fact that they didn't deal at all with the Knights of Ren just feels like they set something up that would have yeah. been cool and then didn't deliver on it. And again, the disparity between the visions, like that's JJ's vision and this is Ryan's vision. So I guess it doesn't include that or it will get back to it in the third act or what. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I was missing that. I want Kylo to be part of something greater, not just dumb old Hux and Kylo running around in the galaxy pretending to wear Vader's clothes. Yeah. Like, you don't, you're not the big and bad, bro. Thing, you know, you, you have <laughs> Hux and you have Kylo who they're essentially laughed at. I mean, they kind of seem to be jokes. I mean, they, Kylo Ren doesn't have like that uh, emotional maturity yet. Hux just simply isn't where he needs to be in his career. And so he's laughed at for things. And he has a, a bit of a measure of ineptitude, and he's the butt, butt end of a lot of jokes. And a lot of people have essentially seen that he's kind of a puppet. You know, where Kylo is allowed to go out and do whatever he wants to, Hux is, he has to, he gets called into the Supreme Leader's office, he gets told what he has to go do, and then he goes back to the bridge of his ship, and he says, okay, I'm going to do something, and then... Oh, that was bad. I screwed up. Um, I'm going to go figure out something to tell the, oh, shit, Supreme Leader is right behind me in this giant hologram. I'm screwed. Um, it, it just... Right. They're not... The interesting thing was, was that we... There was a lot of potential to have this great adversary, this great villain of Snoke, which has now been taken away and, like, dispatch really quickly and unexpectedly. And now we're left with two people who absolutely are not capable of running the first order. Uh, I, I, they, they can't, they're too, neither one of them seems built to govern. Um, they're purely interested in just kind of the military thing. And really in a way, I mean, they were in this, competition for Snoke's attention and now that Snoke is gone really the only thing that has made um, Hux be the number two is because Kylo rages with the force and would just decapitate him without a thought Right. so you know that's just there's just a lot of disorganization Um, and I'm not saying that to be critical of the movie I'm saying that looking at the organization that was developed and it's like, wow, this is really dysfunctional. I wonder how they're going to handle that. 
I do also, though, feel like they're a bit of like a poor man's Tarkin oh, yeah. invader. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like they're, you know, they're setting it up. That's exactly the relationship Tarkin and Vader have. And if you read the expanded universe, there's the book Tarkin. Mm-hmm. There's Lords of the Sith. They, that, that's the relationship that they have. They have this fighting, fighting between each other for Palpatine's good graces and sort of manipulating each other along the way in order to get a leg up in in this greater um, infrastructure of evil. And I think that it's disappointing to see Kylo and Hux being left with the reins yeah. in the lack of Snoke, who, who was the overarching mm-hmm. supreme leader. And now, like, I, I found it interesting, the sort of, like, brother brother fighting yeah. brother dynamic that because they're younger that Vader and Tarkin didn't necessarily have because they ge- genuinely hated oh, yeah, each other. Yeah. And there was an added level of of Anakin knowing Tarkin on a on a Anakin level which oh, was yeah. interesting that obviously they don't yeah. have to deal with here. But um I do feel like they're they're poor man's yeah, version. And and you're right. It's very much kind of a brother fighting brother thing because it's like, you know, they had to keep going to dad and they would get in trouble and this guy would break stuff. Well, it's petulant. And, they're petulant. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that that was a big challenge. Um that was a big challenge and, and I think it leaves us wondering where that sits. But also very similarly, I mean, we we kind of didn't know where things sat at the end of the Force Awakens because the 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 giant Death Star thing got destroyed, and you know they were the First Order was in a measure of of disarray after that. But we still knew that we had Snoke. Yeah, but and Snoke was still kind of we still yeah, had a big yeah, bad. Snoke was the big bad. He was still the brains behind this, and seemingly a, a puppet master, which we don't really have now. Right now we just have the yeah. puppets. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Which is good because there's only about eight resistance fighters <laughs> left. So, <laughs> and yeah, that's interesting because there is kind of a, a balance, even though the first order still has a lot more resources, but they're in a serious measure of disarray. And yeah, the resistance, which has really kind of come full circle to be the rebellion, and I saw so many. Yeah. Particularly in in the third act, I saw so many similarities to Rebels, where like, hey, this is the beginning or kind of a reboot of a rebellion. Um, And I don't mean it in the negative film connotation of reboot. I I mean, in universe, it's like we had this thing that failed. We kind of need to grab what we can and start over. And it's there's there's really interesting parallels between where they are now in the movies and where the Rebels animated series was early on, kind of at that fledgling part of a rebellion and where they've built it. And we know obviously the Resistance has to build. We know that there are planets who were at least passively part of the Resistance. And I think those now need to be discovered and groomed and figured out and brought into the fold. There's a lot for J.J. to accomplish in one movie. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, all that has to get taken I know. care of. Leia's disposition needs to get taken care of. You know, there, there's a lot of things. One one thing in the movie that I liked a lot was um, the whole interaction between Ray and Luke. Oh, me too. I, I liked it. Was, it was not fast-paced. It was not action-y. 
it was slow. It wasn't rushed. No, it wasn't rushed. And it was because Luke was so indignant and he just dug in his heels and he's like, no, I'm not going to participate in whatever bullshit you have going on in the universe. That's your thing. I'm here for a reason. Leave me alone. Go away. And he just went about his daily life of surviving and living on the island and he did his thing and he wasn't about to be bothered by Ray until really the things that Ray was doing piqued his curiosity. And he realized, okay, she's a force user to some extent, but she's raw, she's untrained, but she can feel things, she can sense things. She doesn't know where she sits in the force. I don't really know where she sits in the force. She likes my lightsaber and she breaks things with it. And and it seems that she's here as this messenger for my sister just as much as she's here for herself. Because she's she for as much as she's saying that the resistance needs me, she also needs me. And it was really interesting. And, you know, he didn't train her. He had a couple of sessions with her, but he wasn't training her. He was testing her. He was trying to see who she was and where she resided within the force. And she clearly is really powerful. And that scared him. He said as much. Um, So it's just, it's going to be interesting to see Ray's path and how, she gets developed as a, as a Jedi. And I will, I won't be satisfied if she just like, Hey, I have powers and I just figured out how to use them. Uh, that's bullshit. I'm not going to be sold on it. I mean, she already did that. <laughs> she to already some done extent, that. But in force awakens. Yeah. And, and I love the irony of, you know, Luke saying it's not about moving rocks. And of course that was her big epic moment at the end of the film to rescue right. what was left of, the resistance was by moving rocks. And I, and I love that. I thought that was, I love that subtlety of it. And to show that it's not about moving rocks, but by God it is. And yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) So I, I, I'm just, I I don't know how she's, how she's going to get trained, how she's going to develop. She has to, to some extent, she doesn't have to become a master, but she has to be functional with her ability, and I don't think she's quite there yet. She's still figuring things out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with you in the whole uh, – I, I think anybody who was worried about can Mark Hamill come back and do this after being he, – he hasn't really done that much acting out, outside of voice acting, which he's been in the game forever. But uh, physical acting, he hasn't um, – he's done some cameos. He's done some small character work here and there but as far as like re-inhabiting a character he did how many years ago you know like that I think people were like yeah we all want to see him but also um <laughs> you know I blew it out of the water he was also so stoic with the character but he also had his own he he kind of he went obviously through an emotional journey and and I think a journey of maturity as well because you could still see little hints of the whiny farm boy in him every once right. in a while. Um, but then he would break out of that and become the Jedi master without being a Jedi master. It was, you know, the age and the wisdom would show, 
and for as much as he did not want to use the force, he 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 dreaded that because he knew that that was just this path that he didn't want to go down. Um, but it was around him, and 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 the island had such a strong connection to the force, he couldn't deny it. Right, and I think that's that's the overarching uh, theme of the force that it is an undeniable thing within somebody who has it. And I loved when mm-hmm. you sort of got shades of Yoda within Luke because think about, I mean, and yeah. aside from Yoda actually being in the film himself, but like when you think about when we first see Yoda on Dagobah, like he's cuckoo bananas. He's like, no, 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 blah, 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 you know. And, oh yeah, and like and driving. So yeah, and driving Luke away and saying, like, don't look here, testing him, seeing how deep do you want to go? How how far down, down the rabbit hole do you want to go? I'm going to put yeah. you off as long as possible and make you think I'm crazy. And that was totally mm-hmm. Luke with his milk and the blue monster and drinking. And First of all, do we need to have oh, yeah. nipples in this movie? Like, I, no. Star Wars doesn't no. need nipples. It's like nipples on the bat suit. Get rid of the nipples. Yeah. Enough of you and your nipples. Yeah. <laughs> We got Kylo nipples. We got blue monster nipples. <laughs> exactly. Both of those were completely unnecessary. If people are going to do edits of a movie, those are the things to strike out of, of the movie. Those those things were a little unnecessary. But I... I, yeah, I for sure. <laughs> I actually kind of get the moment of humor that came from... But it was like so cringeworthy. It was just like, oh, really? This is... Oh. I think you could have gotten it with a lot of other ways. You know, I think you could have gotten it with him spearing the fish and jumping off the cliff and being kooky. And like, there's all kinds of ways. Like, do you, it was creepy. And then he's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like he's just sucking right from it almost. And he's like wiping his mouth and it's creepy. It was so creepy. And I didn't, yeah, it didn't yeah. feel funny. It felt like, oh, why? <laughs> what was unfortunate was that. Chewie didn't matter in the entire damn movie. I'm so sad about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was... And the thing is, I mean, obviously... And it was a two and a half hour long movie. They they can't pay attention to everything. But man, it just seems that Chewie should have done more than playing with Porgs. Well, he shouldn't have been with Ray. He should have been with Leia. There's no way he should have been on the island with Ray and Luke. Either to not play a part and to be sidelined when he is a fighter and he would have been by Leia's side. I don't care if the Millennium Falcons what was taken there. He would have been by Leia's side. He would have continued the life debt that he owed and paid off to Han and continued on with Han. He would have been by Leia's side. That is where he would have been. And the fact that he got relegated to this, like, making eyes at porgs, get uh, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> first of all, he would have eaten that porg. I don't care. He would have eaten it. The one thing, kind of still in that setting of of um, of being on Octu and and speaking of the Millennium Falcon, probably the thing in the entire movie that made me actually tear up was when Luke was on the Falcon and he oh. came across R two, and that oh. was like because Luke and R two are. They're they're there. I mean, they're, they're this this little droid which shouldn't have emotion for anything loves Luke, and he was always there for Luke, and they were like constant companions. And you know, to me, Star Wars is the journey of the droids, or 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 a story that's being told by the droids. And so, you know, bringing them in 
three PO didn't have much at all in in the movie. Um, I mean, the only real thing there was when Luke winked at him, which I you know later on, which I thought was was kind of neat on on crate. Um, and R two didn't have much in the film either. But this moment that they had, and the attempt that R two had of trying to bring Luke into the resistance by showing the original Leia video of, you know, help us Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. And I'm sitting there and my eyes are just welling up with tears. I'm like, oh my God, how can you say no to this? This little droid, you know, and right now, seriously, my eyes are are tearing up. That was like one of the most, and and it's just... It was just amazing, like that moment and looking, going back to A New Hope. And uh, it was so unexpected to me. And that is quite possibly the greatest thing that Ryan Johnson wrote in that movie was that minute and a half interaction. Well, those are the nostalgic pieces that that we want so desperately to see. It's it's the lack of the reunion between Han and Luke that we'll never get. It's the never seeing the three of them together again on screen. It's those are sort of like those little shades of that, that we get to have, you know, like Luke and Chewie having their, like where's Han and, and Luke having to, you know, have that realization through Chewie, which is the reason why he's on Octo with them. That is the reason for him to be there. It doesn't, Make it great, but it, you know that is the reason for him to be there is for that interaction. Oh yeah, but those five seconds and that was it. And it's like unfor- it's so unfortunate that there there really wasn't anything else. I mean, really, Chewie had no interest in like hanging out with Luke or figuring out what the hell Ray was doing. Or I, not, he just and Luke didn't. No, I'm just gonna hang out I- hang out at the ship with the Porgs. <laughs> Luke didn't have questions for Chewie about about everything that's been going on since he's been gone because he knows. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? I don't know. Like, the other thing was, okay, what if Chewie had dropped Ray off on Arc Two, went back, like, told Luke, "Hey, Han's gone. Like, let's mm-hmm. have a moment." He sees R two, whatever, goes back. Ray gets the X wing out of the water and takes the X wing back. Come on! You set it up and, for us. Why didn't you get oh, yeah. it out of there? Exactly. What a great throwback to uh, 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 Empire Strikes Back that would have been. I mean, that would have been incredible. It, but it would have also served a necessary plot point. And I think that's right. kind of what everyone assumed when Luke showed up on crate was yes. well, the Falcon wasn't there anymore, so he had to have you know resurrected his x-wing fired it up hey luckily enough it still works and let's let's get over there and so i think you know with his first appearance that's what we thought and i love that whole i love everything luke did on crate it was it was so awesome and you know i mean there was a big show of military might from the first order and kylo is just so freaking emotionally distraught over anything that has to do with Luke. And he's like, yeah, just unload on the MFR. Oh. And I mean, you're, it kind of leaves you thinking, like, even thinking back to stuff like in the old EU, I'm like, okay, so force ability. And he's getting fired on by like 40 ATATs and these super ATATs and other things. How's he going to survive this? I don't really know. Um, 
you know, and then he was there and he brushes off his shoulder, which was just, you know, this awesome oh. little moment. And I I didn't get it until Luke actually revealed it. Oh, but same. But then thinking back on it was okay. They, the camera kept going down to their feet. And, you know, did Luke ever show any tracks in the sand or, or in, in the salt? And so the second time I, I watched the movie... I'm like, I'm like hyper focused on the feet. I'm like, is Luke? No, Luke's that. And that's the whole reason why they kept panning down to, to, to show their feet. Um, and I thought that was just a great moment. And I love that he was toying with Kylo in that. And, you know, Luke knew that this was going to tap him out. He knew that this would eventually be his death. But he knew it was he a sacrifice. Give, yeah. He had to he had to give Ray time to hopefully do something and he had to he had to let Kylo know that he wasn't going to let this go. Right, take him well to take him back down a peg from from the <clears throat> yeah. platform that Kylo has elevated himself to after yeah. the events and the Knights of Ren and the fall of of you know himself he's elevated himself and been elevated by snoke and this is luke yeah. basically being like son you got a long way to go and yeah you know i i love that whole like that was when i teared up um was when was when you see him back when you realize he's a force projection i was like oh my god like that is everything that to me i was like yeah. oh my like those yeah. were the little moments within the film when i felt connected to the greater star wars universe when i was like this is what yeah. it's about and that was like i was i just was like oh that's so luke and i was saying i think i said to you guys in random chatter one time when we were talking about it is in what i realized in my rewatch was I've always said, like, Leia's my favorite character. Leia's my favorite character um, whenever anyone's asked me. And what I realized in my rewatch was Luke is as much my favorite character as Leia is. They are on equal twin <clears throat> character footing for me. And mm -hmm. and I just don't think I ever put Luke on that pedestal with her. Like, it was always about Leia because she was one of the only girls when I was growing up that I could be because everybody else is boys and all the action heroes <clears throat> are boys. And so sure, it was sure. always Leia. So I think I never really like put Luke up there because it was always about Leia. But rewatching the whole trilogy and taking the journey to get ready for the Jet uh, the Last Jedi, I love Luke so much. Like I mm -hmm. love Mark Hamill who he is outside of the screen. I just I love Luke's journey. I love who he ends up. Return of the Jedi. Like as a young girl, I'm gonna tell you this, guys. Okay, ready? <laughs> Obviously, Han Solo is the dreamboat, and when I was like a young preteen, I was in love with Han Solo, obviously. But obviously. there's this, obviously. <laughs> but when I was, I think maybe 14 years old, probably way too old for this, maybe 13. Let's say 13. <laughs> my my friends and I, my friends and I would watch Return of the Jedi, and. We were in love with Luke at that point. And it was, we would take turns like kissing the screen. I think I was 10. I don't think I was 13. <laughs> you, you keep backing like, this up quite a bit. I feel like I might have been 10. I hope I was 10. But we used to take turns kissing the screen when Luke, in the throne room scene, when Luke would come on and we'd miss and kiss the emperor and we'd be like, ew! Um, but I feel like. It's a very, it's a big switch to like go from liking Han to liking Luke because it's a it's a more mature 
like progression. Han doesn't change, like necessarily change who he is. He he allows himself to become a general. He allows himself to fall yeah. in love, but he's still a cocky pilot at the core. Whereas Luke yeah. has completely changed and and yeah. evolved and progressed. Yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. Yeah, and, and he really comes into his own at the end of Empire, even though he makes the rash decision to save his friends, but he. Quite honestly, his decision in Empire to go to Bespin and save his friends is kind of the, it reinforces the statement that Rose made when she prevented Finn from what I think would have been a foolish sacrifice. I don't think he could have destroyed this super mega cannon thing. No. And she said, (laughs) you know, it's not about whatever it was. It's not about destroying your enemies, but it's about, you know, loving the people who, who, who we have. And you know, there's a lot of people out there who say that it was a cheesy, sappy moment. Um, if you think oh, that's a cheesy, beautiful. sappy moment, go go back and watch the original trilogy. There's a lot of cheese and sap in in those movies. So, you know, it, it's this one of the things that that gets me for the people who are so hypercritical of these new movies. Go back and watch the original trilogy and put yourself in the mindset of if this were a new movie, would I like it? And they probably wouldn't. Oh, you're right. They probably, they probably would not. Wouldn't. Um, you know, because they are, you know, the 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 stories and and the effects for for as revolutionary as the effects were at the time and many of them still hold up. There's a lot of them that are still pretty cheesy. And so these folks who are so hypercritical of this certain effect in the movie, uh no. No, you got to check yourself, people. You know, okay. check yourself and we- check your fandom because if you're a big fan of what was what was produced in 1977, and you're so critical of what's going on now, you need to you know you need a reality check. I do think we have to talk about the cheesiest moment of this movie, which was Leia Mary Poppinsing her ass through the stars. Yeah. Like I yeah. can't with that scene. I, I was so mad. I was so. I was too righteously angry at that scene. And it's not because Leia uses the force because she should and she does and she absolutely, that moment should be everything is Leia because, and partly, and this is partly where the detriment of having read the Legends canon is for me is that Mm -hmm. knowing her journey with figuring out that Vader is her father and what that means for her and her connection to the force is, is, beautiful and strong and amazing and hard and heart-wrenching and this was like i was asleep and outside and i magicked myself through the air in the dumbest effects in all of the star wars universe say what you want about jar jar this is worse um yeah the the effects were were pretty bad um (gasps) in that and i i was just I, i mean to be honest i was waiting for the leia death scene you know, they, they they had to kill the character off. I mean, it, you know, there, there's no more Carrie Fisher. They had to kill the, the character of Princess Leia off. Um, and the... I, I was waiting for that moment in the film. And when, you know, Leia got sucked out into the vacuum of space, I I came to peace with that. It was, okay, this is how she dies. Um, and, and I was And I was okay with that. And I think in post-production, they could have handled that. They didn't... Really, the rest of her story through the rest of the movie, 
I don't know was completely necessary. Um, it was nice for her and Luke to briefly meet, even though it really wasn't Luke. Um, but that was still a nice little five-second reunion for us to get. But it wasn't entirely necessary. And I think that they that, that's, that's where they should have ended Leia's story, was in that explosion, sucked out into space, done. Um, and I, too, was so distracted by what they did with her and I was so frustrated with it that seriously in my first viewing the next like three minutes of the movie completely escaped me because my brain was like F this this is ridiculous what the hell are they doing that's where I was I I I, I, I was expecting her death yes and you were prepared went, for it. Yeah, I was prepared for it. I was expecting it. And I think that that actually was kind of a big thing, too, because I was prepared for Leia's death, and then it never came. Right. And especially when this moment occurred, and I thought, hey, this is it. She gets sucked out into the vacuum of space when, you know, the bridge of the Radis gets blown up. Um, well, the, here's where it's going to happen. And... So it didn't happen then, and then I was really kind of pulled out of things with the sketchy effects and how they did this whole Mary Poppins thing, and I just didn't like it. And then, like, the next three minutes of the movie were, like, I blacked out from because my brain was so furious and pissed <laughs> off over what they just did. I'm like, no, why did you do that? I think why? my brain blacked out, too. I was like, rage. I was like, yeah. no! <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, so she's in a coma. She'll die in the coma. I get that they wanted to demonstrate that she had some force ability. And, and I agree with you that I think that philosophically that part of it was was a positive thing. Um, okay, so she'll die in the coma. Nope, she doesn't die in the coma. She comes back and she stops this mutiny. They could have done that differently. You know, she... She didn't need to live past that point. And, and I mean, I'm both for the character and obviously trying to balance reality as well with Carrie Fisher's death. That somewhere in this, you know, the character of Leia had to end. And there were things that they could have done in post-production to make that happen. And I think... And I think, like, like if I were J.J., I'd be pissed. I would be pissed right now because I'd be like, Ryan, dude, seriously... What steaming bag of shit did you leave me with that now I have to kill off Leia? Yeah. How am I going to kill off Leia? With with no Leia for footage. Exactly. So my guess is, is that Leia's going to die. The opening crawl of episode nine is what will kill Leia. Right. Which will be disappointing for everybody. And it, it will. It will. And, you know, maybe they're able to give us some kind of closure with a, a, a ceremony or a funeral or something like that. It depends how they time it and what they do. But unless they use some resurrected footage from The Last Jedi or maybe even from The Force Awakens. Which I'm sure they have plenty of extra footage from both films. Oh, sure. Sure, they do. Undoubtedly. But there's, you know, unless they do that and they're able to organize this and show it the right way, there's no, there's, there's no way you can do this. I mean, I think what happened was nine or, or we, this is what we know is that nine was supposed to be 
you know, nine was supposed to be Leia's movie. Seven was Han, or uh, yeah, seven was Han's movie. Eight is Luke's movie. Nine is Leia's movie. And those were the, that's the arc that we were supposed to get. Given the givens of Carrie Fisher's passing, um, that changed the timeline. And instead Mm -hmm. of actually taking that into account with a rewrite of the movie, that they crammed in whatever they had of Leia into this movie needlessly rather than rewriting this into a semblance of being Leia's film and having nine be Luke's film or getting rid of Luke and Leia in this film in some sort of a symmetry twin sort of a way and in, in that we yeah. lose both of them and go forward into nine without them and, and spring forward into the new generation. And I think yeah. they... Uh, And understandably, I think there is an understandable part of it all in that, of course, we want as much Leia as possible. Of course, we want to honor Carrie Fisher and her Mm -hmm. piece in the rebellion and her piece in the Star Wars universe and the fact that we lost her so, so sadly and in this way that too soon, you know, and I feel like so. The story has to make sense. It does. And but I think. I think what they didn't account for and they forgot was that we would have been okay with that. I think we yeah. I think they didn't play on the fact that the fans understood that and were like waiting for it. We're like we're ready. We're ready to grieve. This is the movie when we're going to be able to grieve. We're going to say goodbye. We've said goodbye to her in person, you know, yeah. and culturally. Now we're going to mm-hmm. get to say goodbye to the character that we love. And and they didn't give that to us and I think that's the part that is a detriment to what they've done with the character in that yeah. they didn't allow that to happen because now they have to half-ass it or cut it short or do whatever, scrawl it, or they're going to open on the funeral or they're going to use footage or if they yeah. had used the, you know, sort of Rogue One her and did CGI, which they're not going to, but I mean, anything other than giving her the death that yep. she should have gotten, which, again, I think should have been the hyperspace holdo put her on there, let her go, or the coma, because that would have allowed, you could have had a forced connection through the coma with Luke and gotten gotten to say mm-hmm. goodbye. You could have done all of that. And and I think yeah. that they just, again, understandably, the team was not ready to say goodbye to her. Yeah. Everybody who worked with her, nobody wanted to say goodbye. And rather than give that to us, they held on and made this movie more about her than it needed to be or should have been. Mm-hmm. Given that the yeah. content of what she's in isn't relevant to everything that's happening. <laughs> yeah. And and it would have, I think it would have given the fans better closure to have that death occur in the movie. And and you're right. They, they absolutely could have put her in Haldo's place. I would have been, it would have been everything. Yeah. And post-production and some reshoots for Haldo to basically take Leia's place yeah. on the, the, the um, evacuation ships. And just simply reflect on, you know, what was happening on that uh, on the Radis. You know, and their to- view of the Radis from the evacuation ship, and oh, what's Leia doing? And then, boom! Then you show that instance, and and that's that sacrifice there. And to give that sacrifice into Leia's hands for the rebellion yeah. that she helped build, yeah. and this that's the remnant. Right, the remnants of what she was instrumental in creating, like, and then to hand it off to her childhood friend who's been a part of her life forever and given it to somebody who had great longevity, who has great chemistry with Mm Poe and with great leadership ability. And now we have the whole of not only having no Holdo, but also having no Leia. I just feel like if they had had a greater scope of what they were looking at, 
And again, to go yeah. back to the like, where is the like penciled outline on a napkin from a mm-hmm. session in the bar when you're thinking about Star Wars and the greater story that we're working with? I think if they had had that conversation, and who knows how the conversations go. Maybe they had this and Zach conversation and they were like, nope, this is how we want to yeah. do it. Okay, then that's their art. That's the way that they've gone with it. And that's just what we have to deal with. But well, um, and, and Laura Dern. If 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 Haldo had perpetuated into episode nine, Laura Dern has the chops to take that mantle oh. of, oh. of of leading the resistance because very similar to the the first order, the resistance doesn't have leadership. Have a leader, they, right. they have Poe, who is a failed middle manager, essentially. A hot headed pilot. Yeah. You you have Ray who who isn't a leader. She's still trying to figure herself out. She can't lead others. Um, unless, quite honestly, Chewie steps up <laughs> and rebuilds this rebellion, which I don't see happening. No. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what we're really left with. You know what? Another thing that I feel like they're, they are mm. touching on but really missing as far as hitting at home is the symmetry between the three leads and mm-hmm. the three leads from the past. So you've got Ray, Finn, and Poe. And the fact that, like— We're now just together. Well, yeah, but I Just mean, now. even even beyond that, like who they are for this trilogy is who Luke and Leia and Han were for the original trilogy, but in an right. um, amazingly different way in the fact that Rey is essentially Luke, Finn is essentially Han, and Poe mm-hmm. is essentially Leia. And I think that they're really missing something in not pushing that home further, in having Poe take over in a more like... I don't. Maybe that's where they're going with it, and I hope that they do because that is exactly who they are. Finn is going to be is the general. He's somebody whose past is shady, who <coughs> could easily make a choice that leads him down a path of smuggling mm-hmm. or the empire or whatever. It has led him there. It's led him here. Poe has it in him to be that leader. We've seen the the side of him not being able to be that, which I think you get a little bit of that in the Leia book where she's still figuring mm-hmm. out her leadership role yep. and sacrifices are made because of her poor leadership. A, yeah. a leader has to take that journey and pose mm-hmm. there. So he has the chops to be in that Leia role, which is beautiful if they it. would play on that. And Ray. Is Luke. And, and I think that to turn it all on its head and not have it be the two boys and the girl in the same role and the, the girl's not yeah. the politician wearing the dress. She's the warrior. She's the <laughs> Jedi. Right. You know, I, I think that that is something that's I want to see so much more of. And I love that they've set yeah. it up that way. And I hope they don't miss this opportunity to push that home. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, something has to definitely has to happen. What, what I do, um, which you don't hear a lot of people kind of forget about her. Um, because she's not a she's not a main character, but she does have a fair amount of screen time, and I thought she did really well. Was uh, Billy Lord? Oh, I love that she is yeah, who yeah, she Carrie is Fisher's in there. Daughter, and she had oh. she I I really liked her role. I liked what she did in it, and her character will obviously continue. She survived all the events in this movie, and uh, I, I'd really like to see her do more. She she did really well, and her they really stepped her character up. I mean, she was. In the Force Awakens, just kind of you know, little more than a cameo. Here, she she was a little bit more involved, and um, yeah, she got to play a role. I'd like to see more. Yeah. Well, and I think I think if she could, ha- I think if they could have given her what well, they did give her what they give her, but give her this and a little bit more in this movie. Mm-hmm. That goes a long way to playing 
playing towards the like love and nostalgia and saying goodbye to Carrie in a different in a different beautiful symmetric way that I feel like they sort of were trying but missed by having Carrie be so involved in the movie. Yeah. Um and, and her, again like her hair was also a nice little nod to, I know. to a, a, a young princess Leia. I loved that so much. It was yeah. It was it was really good. Um yeah. All I mean I, I think this I think what I what I liked uh, I guess in the second viewing and talking, my brother and I sh- have always shared Star Wars. He's my favorite person in the world. And so having watched it a second time with him and really like disseminated more things gave me a lot better perspective. And one of the things – I just forgot my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. Okay, here it is. <laughs> Profound and I can't believe I forgot. Um, one of the things that I, I, I sort of was – I applaud the movie for and I thought was interesting was the risks that it took um it, and they reminded me of risks that the um, that the Empire Strikes Back took to have a cliffhanger to have Luke, uh, Vader be Luke's father these sort of shocking revelations that mm-hmm. that an unexpected you thought it was going to go to A and it went to B and then it ended up at C sort of thing if you think about the Empire oh, yeah. and what it was at the time that's exactly what it did to people and I bet it polarized people in a way that maybe not to this level because it was I mean, maybe not to this level, but maybe and, and there to, was no social media to feed the beast, right? Of course, <laughs> so they couldn't they couldn't be uh, you know validated in every little tiny micro thought they had with a group of people that think the same way. But yeah. um, I, I mean, I, to, to your point, for as much as we disagree with the death of Snoke, which we think was very untimely, that was gutsy. It was gutsy, and it was shocking. And I love when a movie takes me by surprise because I tend to, like, think ahead and think of, like, the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And if a movie is like, hey, all those possibilities, forget it. This is what we went with. And I I was shocked by that moment. I Well, I mean – when when they started when the lightsaber started to turn and you saw where Kylo was going with it, I knew he was going to do that. But that in itself was shocking sure. that that like Snoke didn't see through that. It was like be- it was beautiful, and so I like that they took those risks. I think that's tough to do in this sort of like um, blockbuster era of like cookie cutter like action. This is you know we've got how many Transformer movies and how many Fast and the Furious movies. There's not. Yeah. I- as far as these big franchise movies, how much originality is is being oh, thrown sure. out there? How much shock level is being thrown out there? I mean, yeah. even even in the Marvel universe, like people don't die, or if they do, they come back, you know. And this yeah. this is bold to do. This is Game of Thrones level shit right here, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so, a lot of unpredictability. Um, we certainly were not spoon fed. You know, Ryan Johnson did not spoon feed us in in this. I mean, it was. Things were very deliberate and and there were surprises. And, um, you know, whether we agree with them or not, those were definitely there. And and like I said, I'm yes, I want to take this for the face value of the movie it is. But I also want to try to look at it as part of a bigger story. And, you know, we can be critical of it now, but let's see episode nine and then revisit this and see, you know, how that changes our feelings to see what happens with this greater story arc. Well, and I also think that they were, they sort of, it's also a response to the fact that people were like the Force Awakens derivative of A New Hope. Well, you can't have it both ways. This is not derivative of Empire Strikes Back or any of the other movies. It took risks like Empire Strikes Back did, but it's not derivative at all. It has has little things that make us think of it. It has the AT-ATs. It has, like you said, that, 
parallel between you know Luke on on Octu and 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 uh, yeah, well, uh, and, touches, and Yoda on Dagobah, but not derivative at all. Yeah, definitely not, definitely not derivative. So, but you can say that about the Force Awakens. That is absolutely derivative. But I also really liked that movie. I felt like. JJ hit the derivative notes of touching on nostalgia, but with also starting on a new direction. And, you know, but there was a lot of backlash for that, too. And so then they come in here and they say, all right, you don't want derivative. You don't want, um, you know, sort of like uh, the similar direction that we've been on. Here's, Here's something, something different. completely different. Yeah. And then they don't like that either. So I feel like at the end of the day, it made... Six hundred million plus dollars. No one's hurting at you know the box office here, so mm-hmm. it's not like the Star Wars universe is in jeopardy by any means. And I think the conversation strengthens it for us. Yeah. I think we have to have these conversations. It's what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Is we love to debate like what were the Jedi thinking in the prequels? That's one of my favorite threads to go down. Is like who the Jedi are to us in Return of the Jedi and who they are to us in the original trilogy gets completely turned upside down in the prequels oh, yeah. by knowing how stupid they are and how up in their own business they are to not see the Sith coming. Yeah. And so, what is the and that's last? Basically- that's basically Luke's attitude in this movie. Right. Everything that was done before, F that. It was wrong. Right. He's like, look what the Jedi did. Look at what they did. The threat of what they did created mm-hmm. the monster of Darth Vader and ruined the galaxy. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, we're not playing around with that. I'm not training the new thing. We're not having the new Republic. We're not having the new Jedi. We're blowing it up because that didn't work. And yeah. that's... And that is an interesting commentary on where we've been and adds to such a good discussion. And I think that people just want to say, like, my opinion's right, your opinion's wrong, we're different, but we're, yeah. we should be the same, like, whatever. And this is what makes Star Wars fun is all of these conversations and, like, I don't know. So I think as disappointed as I was, as much as I was, like, I don't love it, um, also, I think Star Wars plus time equals love. And I yes. think we haven't had time with these newer films to to desperately fall in love with the nuances that are put in there yep. or to really put it into the puzzle piece of the greater picture. You can sort of fit it in exactly. and you see where it goes. But there are other things that maybe we haven't seen yet. Exactly. Um, so as much as I have the feeling that I had walking out and still have a little bit of that I still love what it does for the greater universe. I love that it gives us more diversity. I love that we're seeing Asian representation and black representation and Mm -hmm. more women. I'd love to see some more Mm -hmm. Latin representation. Like the more representation, the more people feel a part of Star Wars, the better. So regardless of how I feel about it on a how does it fit in the greater picture level, what it does for the Star Wars universe is right. It's the right direction. It needs to be this. So I can look beyond my own dislikes and say like, dude, like – yeah. Uh, I, yes. I, I, yeah. I, I I think overall, when when you can pull back and look at the big picture, it's doing it's doing positive things, and and you know people might not agree with how it's doing it, but and some people may not agree with what it's doing ultimately because they have all that nostalgia for for what was, and you know that's again, dangerous. As, as, as Kylo Ren says, you know, let it die, forget the past. There is one thing I will say on the not happy with it column. Because, I don't know, uh, we're almost at two hours, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, there's one thing. Um, Phasma, uh, are you kidding me? What a waste. Me? Are I had so you much kidding hope me? for Phasma, 
when we saw the trailers for The Force Awakens, I'm like, this is going to be the biggest badass character in the world ever. I'm going to love her. This is going to be awesome. And then what? She flakes out in The Force Awakens. And then, oh, okay, Last Jedi. There's going to be this big epic. uh, No. Nope. Redemption. Also. Fell into a fiery pit. She's gone. Also, she might they come re- back, but still, she's well. Gwendolyn Christie thinks that she will. So, I mean, I hope she does. It doesn't seem plausible, but I want her to have that redemption. Like, I want her to be the big, bad, awesome character that she should be—the like first lady stormtrooper that we have seen on screen and have actually gotten like FaceTime with. I need her to be awesome. She is Brienne of Tarth, for Pete's sake. Are you kidding me? But she's become a running gag at this point. Well, I know, you know and that, that is what makes me the, mad. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the reservation I have of bringing her back because they're going to bring her back and they're going to kill her off. I mean, I it really is. Are they going to have her kill Finn? Uh, well, no. I'm yeah, exactly. Doubting that she's going to kill Finn. So, okay, right. You know, redemption her of back. her character means putting Finn in jeopardy, and that's not going to happen. So, yeah. in from that perspective, you're right. But here's the thing about it: is like they just released her novel as part of the the journey to the Last Jedi. What is the freaking point? Don't give us a novel about her and yeah. then kill her off. It was this like the fact that she and Holdo. I haven't I haven't read it yet because I'm not in that there in the timeline mm-hmm. yet. Um, Delilah it was Dawson our- did an awesome job with it. It's a co- really cool novel. Great take on an origin story. I saw her in a panel at, uh, I think, Celebration. She was there at the Star Wars book yep. panel. Did we go to that one together? I think we yes. went to that one together. Yep. Um, I, I'm excited. I have it, and I started it, but then I was like, I'm I'm ahead of the timeline. It was our December book just to try to get on the road to The Last Jedi, but because December was so crazy, I didn't end up reading it. And then I was like, I sort of want to read it after Aftermath anyways, but, you know, in the yeah. timeline of whatever. So I'm saving it. But um, the fact <laughs> – just the fact that they released the novel, and I was – Annoyed with the fact that Phasma and Holdo both sort of got introduced and then, like, wiped off the slate as far as, like, longevity of a character. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Star Wars universe is all of these – the longevity of side characters and – I mean – when I was in high school, I had the Star Wars character guide, and it was so comprehensive. Like, anybody and everybody who was in Star Wars had a backstory and a planet. Oh, and yeah. a, You know, like, that's one of the coolest things about Star Wars in the Expanded Universe is that everybody has a part to play, and everybody's important, and they all have fan fiction, and they all have side stories. <clears throat> they all have families and histories and whatever. And so mm-hmm. for them to be... They they still have stories, and they still are important, but for them to be put in the films and then, like... Sort of been like, okay, they're here and bye. Like, it felt really disappointing to not only have that happen to Haldo, but then on the heels of that, have that happen to Phasma, who Gwendolyn Christie is like all up in the press junkets. She's awesome. She's she's talking about Star Wars and she has nothing to do with the greater picture. And not only that, her character is the biggest bitch in the galaxy. Yeah. Out. And there's just no way, especially given... That those of us who watch Game of Thrones, plenty of us watch Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. Star Wars. We know what she can do. Oh yeah, and, and the people want to like the character of Phasma. I mean, they're the, desperate too. <laughs> oh yeah, she's the bad guy that people want to like. And quite honestly, I think she's she has potential to be a way better character than Kylo Ren or Hux is. She's way and, better than Hux. She is. Oh, yeah. She is like if they had cast her as the like. <clears throat> This version Tarkin, what? Mm-hmm. She would have killed it. Like, yeah. that's who she should be. 
So I that, mean, he, that part got me hot. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. He, people want to like her. And I just think that they're I, I think it's very dismissive of the potential of the character. But it is. It's ridiculous. Like, what is the purpose? The, this is the thing is that like traitor stormtrooper from episode seven. Traitor. That one. He is more important and cooler <laughs> than Phasma. Yeah. Are you he, he kidding did more me? than Phasma did. Oh, I'm getting on my like, I'm getting on my hyper high pitch voice as happens when I get real mad. So I'm bring it back down an octave because I'm getting pissed off. We're going to bring it back down. We're going to wrap things up. Um, I mean, obviously, the last shot, it was a two and a half hour long movie. There was so much to talk about. There are scenes that we didn't even get to. Yeah, so many, so much we didn't get to. But, But I think we hit a lot of the highlights. We talked about a lot of things that have been talked about. I think we talked about some things that really haven't been discussed that much in, in, on other platforms. Now comes the part that Elizabeth dreads. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You, you can no, give it a rating all you want. You it's not happening. To, Liz, no. it's the rule. No. You have no. to rate the movie. No, I can't. You we don't have, have rules. You don't have to make arbitrary rules, it's, it's, Supreme it's a, Leader Tim. No, Get out of here. It's it's a it's a rule and it's give me a moment and it's going to be in writing. Forget it. No rules. Number one. No rules. Movies must be rated. I Boom. reject your rules. It's written. It's in. It's it's in writing. It's in the Skype thread. Um, you have to rate the movie, Liz. Do you want um, me to go first? I reject your you rules. I reject your rules, your arbitrary man rules that you made up on the fly, by the way. No. <laughs> I will see if I, I will decide if I want to rate this movie or not, because I have the power over my okay. own life, okay? You, you, I will you decide can. You can. You are a strong, independent woman, and you can, you can rate it if you want to. I do what I want, Tim. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Plus, well, I don't. I told you before. I don't think I have enough time with movies in order to rate them in this small <laughs> scale, and I just don't. Okay, you'd go. I will see. You go. Shh, okay. Shh. All right. <laughs> the, it's too bad that people can't see this because the vision. I can see visually how frustrated and conflicted you are, and it's absolutely hilarious. It's it's ripping me up inside. I I'm gonna give it a seven. You know, I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was definitely on the positive side of things. And, you know, the more I talk about it and the more I analyze it, even though there were things in it that I just didn't like that didn't sit well with me, there is a lot in the broader story that I come to appreciate and a lot of the subtle things that I've come to appreciate. So I'm going to give it a seven. That's that's where I sit with The Last Jedi. Liz, do you, do you care to submit a rating to our fans? It's not even to me. Our fans have an expectation. Oh, okay, Tim. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. See, <clears throat> I, he, the the problem though is that <laughs> is that like I mean, uh, okay. Well, the thing about it is, <laughs> I um, well. I just have only seen it twice, though. And, so have I. But no, but okay. But part of it is I saw The Phantom <clears throat> Menace in theaters eight times. <laughs> That's impressive. And I even, I saw Force Awakens six times. Wow. And I I feel like, 
Okay, I don't want to give it too low of a rating because I do think it was a good movie, but a lot of times my ratings are very reflect my heart issue and my feelings and my emotions. I wear my heart on my sleeve. It's right out there to be bruised, and I know it. <laughs> okay. And they I'm should. Gonna... Your rating should reflect how you feel about the movie. There's nothing wrong with that. I give it a B minus, and I don't know what that translates into numbers because I'd rather use letters. So, so like an eight. No. Like a 7.25. That's a that's like a C or a C minus. No. Yes. Like a 6 is a C minus. No, that's a D. No. A yes. D. We're on a 1 to 10 scale. There's a D is like a 4. No. A D, yes. If, if you make if you make this academic, a D no, is No, I don't is, make is things academic. Something. No. Then what's <laughs> then what letter is 2? It's it's irrelevant. <laughs> That's not anything below a sixty is irrelevant. No, in a number scale, the, the, followers. Excuse me, we're gonna need some clarification on this. I don't think that a two is irrelevant. I think that that's uh, that's what I gave the Justice League. <laughs> that's an F, yo. <laughs> oh, it definitely is. It definitely no. is. Okay, no. I let's say like a the B minus, but it equals a seven, maybe a seven point two five. Maybe. Maybe a six point four five. Is that a rating? You're all over the place. You don't even know what I you don't are. somewhere between a six and a seven. So not a seven point two five. Maybe higher than a seven though. I don't know. it's not it doesn't work. Guys, I can't do it. So Liz's rating is to be determined. I mean, that was a really long conversation about, I don't know. This is why this is not a rule, Tim. Liz, but it shouldn't be a surprise. You know, before we start recording, that this I know. is like the final question. But I don't decide until the moment because I go with my gut and, and my gut is conflicted. You got to plan this out, Elizabeth. Uh, no. Gotta plan this out. That's okay. not happening. All right. So a B minus, which will equal somewhere between a five and a seven and a half. That's okay. somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in there. Does that help you? I don't know. No, it doesn't. But that is how polarizing and this movie is for me internally. <laughs> I no, no, I I believe it. I, I believe that. I believe that. My heart is all involved. Liz, are you excited about our next episode? Oh my gosh, you guys! I'm already giving it a ten. <laughs> what what uh, what are we doing for our next episode, Liz? Oh yeah, we're doing Black Panther. I'm so excited! Yes, we are. I can't wait. Best movie of the year. I think it's going to be an absolute kick-ass movie. I am so looking forward to it. Uh, the premiere was yesterday. Seen, yeah, the premiere was last night, and it, it, people are just saying such great things about it. And or it was Monday. Monday, Monday, right? Was it yesterday? What day is it? Today's Mon Wednesday. Was it yesterday? Okay, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It was one of the days of yesterday or the day I think before. it was one day. I think it was two nights ago. Yeah. And the reception out of it, as much as they can, because they, mm -hmm. I think they're on lockdown till the weekend or something, but Ten days everybody... before is yeah. They are loving it. No surprise. Obviously, viewers, if you listen to our movie draft, you know I bet all or nothing on Black Panther <laughs> because I believe so much in this movie and I cannot wait. <sighs> I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be a good time. 
It's me. Yeah, and I, I definitely can't wait to talk about it. I've already got the soundtrack like as my running mix. It's curated by Kendrick Lamar. <gasps> you guys, if you aren't listening to it yet, you better get it in your earballs because it's awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And that I'm telling you, that's gonna get a ten. I'm giving it a ten right now. I know it's gonna be a ten. It's a ten. I actually should download the the soundtrack. Like I'm headed to the gym as soon as I'm I hit you know stop on a recording. So I, I this should. is what you're gonna listen to at the gym, Tim. G- okay. The gym, Tim. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's close this thing out. Folks, we definitely want to hear your feedback. We love your feedback. Um, this was uh, this was a pretty divisive film in the fandom. So we know that people have a lot of things to say. Um, we've read and heard a lot of those things that people have to say. Um, but uh, we, we certainly welcome your feedback on this, your opinions on our opinions, um, and, and anything else you might have to say about the film, you can hit us up by email, uh, movie rampage at randomchatter.com. Yeah. And I think the cool thing is that this forum for us is that we've opened the door to a lot of conversations. Like, you know, there are so many different threads that we can go down and we have a lot of different ways for you to connect with us and go down those rabbit holes with us and we want mm-hmm. you to so so join us will you on facebook.com slash random chatter network for our broader scope of the network which you can have you know all of our other show hosts are on there too um they all love and have seen star wars or were disappointed or have their own feelings about it too they all want to talk about it as well you can also find us on twitter um again the random chatter Network itself is at Random Chatter. We're all up in that business, too. Or you can just get Tim and I at at Movie Rampage Pod just for this particular podcast. Or you can get us individually. I'm at Nerd in the City, and Tim is at... Qui-Gon Tim. That's Tim with two M's. And then we also have randomchatter.com, which is our website with all of the other shows that we do on the network as well. Um, give those a listen and then or find, you know, more places to connect with us there. Tim does a James Bond blog that you got to read. Um, lots of new things. We've been toying around with the idea of a random chatter book club lately. Mm-hmm. Um, There's been some So talk. maybe that there's been some chatting, um, so maybe that will pop up. I would love to have that happen. I'm all about book clubs. Um, and again, if you want to come join mine, come on Goodreads. Um, you can come join my book club, and we can talk Star Wars. Awesome. Uh, please be sure to spread the word and support us. Uh, this is just episode six, and um, you We're know, still so, a baby. Yeah, so we are new. It, it still is a, a little baby podcast. We are growing. Uh, we're gaining some listeners. Please uh, tell folks about us. If, if people are interested in movies, uh, that's that's what we talk about. That's you know why it's called Movie Rampage. And we try to be very fair. Yeah, yeah, we we do try to be as, as fair as we can. Um, you know, we still have our own opinions. We're not going to cater to anyone in, in in any of this. But uh, uh, you know, please be sure to spread the word. Tell people about us. Uh, leaving us reviews is a great way to do that. Um, you can do it on iTunes, Google Play, wherever else it is that you uh, uh, get your podcast from. Click on all the stars, write in some some stuff about why you like us. Tell your friends about us, family, coworkers, total strangers. Um, you know that's that's a, a, a huge help. Uh, tell them to listen into Movie Rampage, uh, and of course we appreciate some support across the entire network at Patreon.com. Uh, you can find the network at patreon.com slash random chatter. Uh, that is a way that you can financially contribute to us. We, um, we have, just like any other organization, we have expenses. Uh, we have website hosting fees. We have data storage fees. We have all sorts of other things. And um, 
having some finances available so it's not coming out of our own pockets is a huge help. Um, the great thing about it is that uh, when you contribute to us, we also give back to you. So even a dollar a month, um, which you can do, again, right through patreon.com slash random chatter, gets you access to, um, uh, to our Slack network. And uh, we talk about Slack quite a bit, especially on our, our other shows. That is where our hosts are interacting with other listeners, having daily conversations about all sorts of things. And it could be about Star Wars. It could be about sports. It could be about TV shows. It could be about movies. It could be about pets. It could be about food. It could be truly anything. Uh, we cover just such a huge gamut of, of things in there. Um, so uh, just that dollar a month can can get you access to our Slack channel. Uh, and of course, it goes up from there in different levels, $5 a month, $10 a month, etc. And uh, through those, you can get access to some exclusive content and, and things like that. And also, the music that you hear on our podcast is created by Bearded Audio. And there it is. Thank you folks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to uh, having you back for episode seven, Black Panther. Until then, go see some movies.